Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. This is episode 263 of Maximize Your Influence. Kurt Mortensen here. Thanks for your participation, your emails, your thoughts, your comments. Do appreciate that as we've been spending the last few weeks on presence. We want to spend some time talking about how do you win over your prospect? How do you win over an audience, especially those that are skeptical? How do you get them on their side? How do you increase your charm and your charisma? Have we spent the last, I think this is week number four on presence and charisma. Thought we'd spend a few weeks, but I'm getting lots of emails to continue on presence because it sounds like something that you're really struggling with, that you want to work on, that you want to improve. So we're going to learn more about this aspect, how to be more confident, how to get others to want to do what you want them to do and like doing it. So not a specific email this week, but I saw quite a few that wanted to talk more about winning people over, having more confidence, being more charismatic, and that's what we are going to focus on today. So hope things are going well. You're having a good week. I was in Dubai in the UAE, the United Arab Emirates, and that is an incredible city, home of the Burj Khalifa, the tallest building in the world with these incredible elevators that are fast. You don't even feel them. You don't even feel your ears pop. I mean, this is a large building beautiful town. If you don't watch it, you'll spend all your money without even realizing it. And most people don't realize that these towns in the Middle East, they're all on the ocean beachfront property. And since it's in the middle of the desert, there's not a lot of mountains or anything. They do architecture, incredible, interesting buildings, some at an angle, some that twist. The architecture is incredible. Some of the hotels, each room has its own pool going off the balcony on the 30th, 40th floor. Imagine sitting in a pool at the 30th floor. So some interesting things. Love being over here, doing some great training. They're very entrepreneurial. Now currently in Abu Dhabi, home of Ferrari World. And there's a new amusement park they built. Uh, The name's escaping me, but it's an indoor air-conditioned amusement park imagine that and you kind of have to do that when it gets 120 130 degrees in the summertime yeah you probably like an air-conditioned amusement park so then i'm off to doha next week that's in qatar i'll give you an update on that and what we're training on charismatic leadership is what we're focusing on this week kind of what we've been talking about here how do you win people over get them to your side understand your point of view how do you come across as more confident is going to be our focus But let's kick it off today with the blunder. Good friend Homer, go. Don't, don't, don't. All right. I mentioned this a little bit, but it's really been bothering me about this company I was consulting with that had a high turnover. Because companies spend $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 to train a new employee, to get a new employee, to work with a new employee, and they just have a high turnover rate, and that costs a lot of money. And the managers were blaming the onboarding. They were blaming the job. It wasn't fulfilling. But what it came down to is that the managers didn't care about these people anymore because, you know, it's kind of hard to put your heart and soul into somebody and have them quit. And that becomes a big trend, especially with millennials. And 
And it's not a personal thing. You can't take it personally, but they were taking it personally. So the new hires could feel that they were just getting thrown to the wall to see if they would stick. The expectation these managers have that they weren't going to make it, that they were going to go someplace else. They wouldn't like the job. They wouldn't like what they're doing. They wouldn't get the right training. I mean, all these expectations, and we've talked about the law of expectations and um, maximum influence. That is something you can take a look at, but it comes across in our demeanor. It comes across in our body language. It comes across in the words we choose. It comes across in our tone of voice to where subconsciously these people knew that these managers didn't care about them, didn't believe in them, and it wasn't going to work out. It was all subtle. It was all below the radar. It was all a subconscious trigger. And of course, they were all in denial that it was them. It was the system. But the system wasn't the only thing that was flawed. They were also flawed and they needed to own up to it. And that's what made the big difference when they changed their demeanor, had more hope, learned to work with people, got them the right tools. That made all the difference in the world. So that is the blunder of the week. Be so careful in your expectations, whether it be a performance review Hiring somebody, working with a new person, talking to a prospect, they won't be interested or you wouldn't be interested, would you? As you shake your head, no. These are expectations. They are real. And people live up to these expectations, positive or negative, spoken or unspoken. And you must be careful to manage the right expectations and create the right expectations in all these influential situations. And one thing we've talked about before is that expectation with children. Manage those expectations. I mean, you look at grades and going to college. It's the expectations of the parents and the people that are around and makes the biggest difference. And, and sometimes we just don't manage those expectations in the right way. We, we're so close to it. We expect so much from the people that we love, our children, that we are giving the wrong message, the wrong expectations. Even with small children, we talk about embedded commands where you say, don't walk in the street. Don't be dumb. Don't skip school. Don't take drugs. And the commands there are all the negative. You know, walking in the street, being stupid, taking drugs. And we embed those in people's mind and don't even realize it. And you've heard the famous example, oh, don't think of peak elephants. Don't think about going to the beach. Don't think about being broke. And that's where the brain goes. And so even in our word choice, we got to be very careful at managing the right X expectations all right now time for our geeky article brought to you by economist carl storchman and a journal we've never used before the journal of wine economics of all things so if you're a wine lover you're probably going to love this and even if you're not it will be very interesting to you because it talks about wine snobs and he gets into the price of wine. That's why it's in the economics of wine. You know, what determines the price of wine? He says it's a bunch of grapes and a lot of BS is <laughs> his formula because there's so many different variables. I mean, the brain fires differently. When people think it's an expensive bottle of wine, it tastes better. It literally tastes better than even though it's the same as the cheap bottle they tried 10 minutes earlier. So they hook people up to... MRI scanners, always a lot of fun for people. Hopefully they paid them quite a bit. They were looking at wine they preferred. Was it a $90 bottle of wine or was it a $10 bottle of wine? So they did brain scans that could show that if they were bluffing with what they felt. It was the medial orbitofrontal cortex, if you want to know, so they could find out. And they also tested out a $1,000 bottle of wine. And even though it was the cheap stuff... 
The brain fired and it really tasted to them like it was an expensive bottle of wine. He even talks about the name of the wine or even where it comes from. There is this great bottle of wine from New Jersey, but you're like, New Jersey wine? And, and no offense from those from New Jersey. There's even wine from China that they're like, wait a minute, China has wine? When they compare that to France or Spain, of course, the French wine tasted better than the Chinese wine. When people were told, but in blind taste tests, it came out very differently. They had a great Chinese wine. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's a great wine out of New Jersey. Again, I'm not trying to be offensive to people, those people, but they're not. Those places aren't known for wine, and that can change the perception of taste and value and cost. And he went on to say that people feel guilty for buying the cheapest wine, but it saves you quite a few bucks. Most people can't tell the difference. Maybe you need to get a little sticker machine that changes the price of the wine that you're buying so your friends will actually think and feel and the brain's going to fire like it tastes better. So there's a great lesson for you. I'm just going to save you hundreds of bucks a year. You buy the cheap stuff. Not the cheap, cheap, cheap stuff. But you know what I'm saying. It's those subconscious triggers. They found it with wine. They've done this with pharmaceuticals and other products, especially with food. That when it's a certain color or a certain price or in a certain packaging or from a certain region, it can adjust the perception of value, flavor, and cost. So thank you to the Journal of Wine Economics. Again, the one we haven't used before as we get into our content today about how do you win people over? Your prospect, your audience it could be one-on-one. -on -one. It could be three people. It could be a hundred people. How do you win them over? And remember, just to go back a little bit, the article, of course, those are always posted at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. So if you want to win people over, if you want to reduce resistance, just like we talked about last week, having power, the next one we need to talk about is having confidence, which is a subsection of trust. If you want to listen to the six episodes I did on trust, oh, this is probably about four or five months ago, episode 234 through 239. Those archives are available at influenceuniversity.com. Also home of our advanced PhD program. The information is there also. And it also allows you to personally coach with me. So let's get into the concept of confidence. This is a subset of assurance, belief, conviction. And we all know that conviction is contagious. Not the arrogance, the cockiness that destroys trust and presence and winning people over. It actually repels them. We need to have good confidence. Hopefully you've heard about Norman Vincent Peale. He said, without a humble but reasonable confidence in your own powers, you could not be successful or happy. There's something about that. But too many people get stuck thinking they're confident, but they're coming across as arrogant. So how do you avoid that trap? So before we get into becoming more confident, how do you avoid the trap of coming across as arrogant or cocky or condescending? You're like, well, Kurt, I would never do that. I know you don't mean to do that. You're not really trying to do that. Maybe some of you are. But sometimes we're doing things that forces us to cross the line from confidence to arrogance. The way you take feedback or criticism, you need to take with an open heart. When people run up at a seminar, they might have found a, a perceived mistake or a misspelling in a book or a translation error, right? We try our best, but sometimes it's not always perfect and you just say thank you, appreciate it. Sometimes it's hard to take those type of things or when they have well, you know, you should adjust this. You did this wrong. You should change this. And that story was dumb. And that one joke, you're like, okay. <laughs> you 
because you're putting your heart and soul on the line and they've got all this critique. And so the way you take it, you can come across as either confident or arrogant. And that's also the way you take questions or objections. People need to know that you're grateful, that you're glad that they asked that. Because if they feel dumb or you're like, oh, geez, even though you don't roll your eyes, maybe you subconsciously rolled your eyes and they can feel that. That would be one. When you spend more time talking than listening, when you're in vomit mode, when you are telling them what's best for them and they don't feel like you really understand their problem or their issue or their concern, that could cross the line. Never admitting that you're wrong, right? It's not you, it's somebody else. That could cross the line. And that's also in the world of blame. When it's not your fault, there's someone to blame, even though it might be true, sometimes you need to take ownership, especially with charismatic leadership. If you're never wrong, if you can't take the blame, if you can't take ownership, if you're always pointing fingers, it's always someone else's fault, but it also destroys your presence and your ability to win over an audience and have charisma. Subset of that too is always trying to prove that you are right. Or sometimes in your introduction, you try to date it up all your accomplishments, why you're credible, why the expert, which you need to do in a way, but when you date it up it all at once, you can come across as arrogant and condescending. So remember that you can borrow credibility. You can have someone else introduce you, have somebody read an introduction. It's good to have that confidence, but don't cross that line because it destroys your presence and your ability to win people over. We know through research that charismatic leaders have a powerful, confident, dynamic presence. And they have complete confidence in their positions and their capabilities. But you also know that if you have the right evidence, they will change it. One interesting study showed that when leaders feel discouraged or imminent failures coming down the road, they don't necessarily make those feelings public, which kind of is a two-edged sword, depending how you look at it. And one of the number one complaints against managers is arrogance. And even worse, that confidence in leaders and managers is at a 10-year low. 10-year low. Wow. There's just no confidence. So remember, when you have that assurance, that belief, that conviction, that confidence, it does radiate charisma, does give you more presence. It is a state of mind. Maybe you need to do those power poses we talked about with Dr. Cuddy on a previous podcast, but you need to have confidence. And part of that is overcoming your fear because fear breeds doubt and doubt destroys confidence. And ways to do that is to be prepared, to do your research, to practice your presentations, to know your stuff, to be a product of the product. That is very important. And you know all those. We've talked about those. But one maybe you haven't realized before that we need to talk a little bit about is that when you build your confidence, part of that is dealing with your mistakes, dealing with being embarrassed, dealing with embarrassing moments can help or hurt your confidence. So own up to those mistakes. Laugh at those embarrassing moments. Don't get all flustered and upset. Sometimes you do. But if you get embarrassed and all upset, you don't know what to do, you get all flustered, that hurts confidence. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has embarrassing moments. The way you deal with those that makes a huge difference. So be aware of that. Be aware of your negative thoughts. Be aware that indecision can destroy your confidence. When you get stuck on worry, can destroy your confidence. This is real. Let me repeat. Fear breeds doubt. Doubt destroys confidence. You know what to do. Be prepared. Do your research. Practice. I know you don't have time, but if you want to come across as confident, have that presence, win over audience, 
that will make the biggest difference. And it's okay to make a mistake, just make it right. It's okay to be embarrassed, just stay in control and smile and turn it into a strength that helps with confidence. So confidence is real. Conviction is contagious in a good way. Again, don't cross that line to arrogance or cockiness. We've talked about a few things where we'll cross the line. But this is something that dramatically help you win people over, have greater presence, connect with your prospects, and have more charisma. Learn these skills. Master these skills. Go to the archives at InfluenceUniversity.com. Go to YouTube at Maximize Your Influence is the channel. Hit the like button. Help us out. Share it with your family, your friends, your enemies, your coworkers, your kids. <laughs> Help them learn this vital life skill that we should have learned in school. So hopefully the series on presence is really helping you out to take things to the next level. Remember, my personal coaching is involved in Influence University. You have full access to me. I will monitor your presentations. I will listen to your clothes. I will work on your copy. You have me as a resource to help you become more persuasive, more influential, more charismatic, and a better presenter and a better negotiator. Thanks for being here. Thanks for your kind comments. Thanks for learning more tools and using these tools to make the world a better place. Like always, master these skills, improve your life, make the world a better place, and go out and persuade with power.